In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Hey, welcome back to another awesome, incredible, fabulous story. This is Narrative Live, and we have Keith. Keith and I have actually shared the stage together. Uh, we've actually been, I've been on his podcast. We've actually gone back and forth a couple of different times on sharing information. Uh, Keith, you contacted me about Lego, and then I talked to you about some of your VA stuff that you were setting up. I mean, you got an incredible, incredible story. And I think we've met, man, I'm thinking back, it's probably been four or five years ago, back AGS days with Josh Latimer. Uh, we were over in Ludington, I think is the very first time that we met. And so we had some great conversations there. We've had them since then at different locations. So I am super, super grateful that you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Bro, what's up? Tim Kroll. Thanks for having me on your show, man. Yeah, no no worries at all on that. Uh, again, I mean, this is really, and, and I say this every time, but we break this down and we really want to hear about your story. We want to hear about not necessarily all of the highlights, which is what we see. And I know that you've accomplished some incredible things, but I want to hear about the hard knocks, like what was the journey like? What was the bend in the road that Keith had to go through to become who he is? Because I know just from my own experience, it's not all sunshine and roses. I mean, there's there's definitely sweat. There's a little bit of blood in there. Sometimes there's tears in there and it's a breakdown sometimes. So so we want to hear about that. So let's get started. You know, what was it? What was Keith like as a kid growing up? What was your, you know, that formative stage? What was that like for Keith? For sure. Totally. Just real quick. I'm Keith Kelfus. I have a landscaping business and a social media marketing business. So we have two six-figure businesses. I have like four employees in the landscape business, but I just hired my 17th virtual assistant in the internet business. And I, I love it. I'm, I'm running, I'm hustling. We're making videos all over the internet. And it's like been a long, long, long journey. But it wasn't always this way. I mean, literally... Back in 2011, I was stuck in a one-bedroom apartment with my wife getting eviction notices with debt collectors calling me. Before that, I had lived in 32 homes. This is my 32nd home. I've had like 36 jobs. I've been fired from a ton of jobs. And all the way back down to when I was a kid, moved around constantly. I've went to, I think I counted like 14 different schools that I went to. Wow. We even lived in a car with my mom just briefly. We almost got taken away by the state. And um, two different homeless shelters for a couple of weeks at a time for battered and abused women. My mom and some stuff she went through. And then uh, what else? All over the place. And then eventually- that alone. I mean, let's just get started with that. I mean, just that that idea, that constant having to move. And like you said, there's multiple homes that you've been in. You know, what kind of belief did that form in your mind? Like what kind, what kind of an impression, you know, whether it's your confidence, the belief of who you are, the value that you have, like what, what kind of an impression did that leave on you as a child? Yeah. You know, truthfully, there was no, I was just in, in peak state. I was totally fine because my mother loved me. Right. Mm. And even though there was chaos and I witnessed her under like being stressed out all the time or being what we call manic, <laughs> which you, you don't know when you're a kid, when you're in your formative years, but then it, it kind of shapes and forms. So you might behave in a manic state or not a, a completely present, calm state to come based off of what you had witnessed and seen growing up. Like you learn how to act this type of learned behavior, we call it. Yeah. And 
it wasn't until I was like maybe a late teenager, we had moved again and I had, uh, <laughs> gosh, I, I got to live one place for about four years in elementary school, early junior high. And that's where I got to meet all my friends and everything. It's a place called Sterling Heights, Michigan. And I always wanted to go back to that place. And that's where I have a house right now. I always, I always wanted to come back what I called home and got mm. a place next down the street and over and across. There's these, what we call projects. They're really just apartments, but it's like low income housing right in the middle of like the city. And I used to uh, live there and my mom uprooted me again. Cause she got approved for what we call section eight housing. And I was like, what do you mean? We're moving again? She's like, we're moving. We're getting out of this crummy little apartment. And I didn't want to move. I was severely upset and uh, went to depression when we moved. There I was another school again. And this time it was uh, in a not so good of an area. And so, yeah, I ran away when I was like, I think 14 going on 15. And then I couch surfed. By the time I was 17, I lied on a... Uh, I don't know how I was able to do this, but I was able to get into it my own apartment before I was even 18. And I had my own apartment at 18. I was working four jobs. I was doing landscaping all day. I was doing roofing on the weekends. And then I was working as a bar back in these like nightclubs, just stocking beer bottles and stuff. Cause that's the only place I could find was I would work for at night from like, you know, 8 PM to like 3 AM go home. I'd crash in my apartment for, I don't know, three hours and get up and run and landscaping all day. By the time I was, I think like 21. So I had so much responsibility at such a young age that I, right around the age of 21, I had kind of like a nervous breakdown. I, I didn't ex get to experience having any fun at all. And so. Well, can we back up? I, I want to hear about yeah, the nervous breakdown. I want to hear about the nervous breakdown thing, but like, it, it sounds like, uh, especially the way that you were living and, and this is, I mean, really we want to help and support people and understand some of the that those pieces and parts but like when you stepped out out on your own did you feel obligated that you had to do that because you were a burden on your mom did you feel like it was a rebellious stage like what was the thought process going on you're like dude i'm i'm done this is very vulnerable so i don't yeah, ever talk about it this way but i think it's important to share so cuz i love my mom and and um i could cry my mom uh unfortunately passed away from an overdose she did crack and heroin at the same time and she mm. had some type of a seizure and she i just found out actually last year how she actually died is she i think she hit her head very hard and went into some type of coma and my little mm. sister found her dead so i was mm. 26 but um this is why i kind of ran away and and i had a lot of regret because i had my, my older sister had left at 11 to go live with our grandmother because it was a very unstable our house, I guess. And she didn't feel wanted or anything. And because my mom had like different boyfriends and stuff. Like three, I have two sisters and I love my sisters more than anything else in the world. Actually, the people I love the most are my two my wife and then my two sisters is like the most important people to me. It was just me and my little sister. And I felt horrible because I left and I should have stayed there and took care of my little sister. I was working in like two part-time jobs at like 13 and 14 years old. I should have kept food in the fridge and milk in the fridge and cooked dinner and did all these things. And I was too young. I was thinking about myself and I left. And I, anyways, I had told my sister since then, she's like 33 now and married and has kids of her own. She's not even mad at me or anything, but I left because my mom was like, I don't know. It was, there was no connection at all. She was in total like depression and hooked on like prescription pills and stuff. It's kind of funny that all the rapper Eminem, 
we had a house in Southeast Warren, like literally right around the corner from him and, and his stories and how he rapped and the things about how he grew up was similar to the way I grew up. Literally same exact neighborhood. We went yeah. to the same school and same problems, the same type of stuff. So I actually got really into his music, which probably wasn't a good thing when I, when I was a teenager. Because I'm like, and, and so did all these other kids across America. It's like speaking my language. <laughs> That's funny. But I had never cussed at my mother. I had never disrespected my parents. And one day she came home again at like 3.30 in the morning, falling all over the well, Now, first of all, my mom was someone of unconditional love. She she groomed dogs. She 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 could like the dog whisperer. She can get any crazy dog to calm down. She, dude, she would take in any stray animal. She would, um, I mean, I could go up and hug my mother at any time and she would hug me unconditionally. And she tucked me in and sang to me and put me to, to bed. She would protect me at all costs. She taught me morals and values and lessons that have stuck with me and will stick me with me my entire life about honesty and about just a very nurturing, amazing uh, human. And so, so anyways, wow, I've talked about all this. And for some reason, it's coming out in a very vulnerable way. I'll tell you this one is, thing. This is how you connect, Keith. And I, I, I'm greatly, I'm very, very grateful because as you connect on this level, I guarantee you people listening, they've been through it, you know, and they, they're going to hear and they're going to connect with you because they're going to, at, at a stage, they're going to be like, that was my life. Just like you said with Eminem, the reason why you connected with, because it was so, such similar backgrounds and similar areas. So I'm very grateful for you doing this. And, and and as you look at that, then, you know, to the question that you were saying is like, why that abrupt, like, Hey, I'm, I'm done. And, yeah. you know, like you so said, she came home again at like three 30 in the morning. And I think it was that different boyfriends of hers were, you know, I'm, I'm 14 years old and I, I'm really finding my own and I'm outside cutting the grass and I'm running track and trying to make my way in the world as a kid. And, and some of these, man, these different boyfriends of hers would start talking to me as though they're like going to be my fucking stepdad. And, and, and I just didn't like that. And I was very upset how my mom wasn't handling anything. Like, e even though I was a kid, like the dishes were piled up to the ceiling. There was no laundry done. The bed sheets weren't changed. And and I don't know why I didn't do all that. I'm a grown ass man now. I would have done all that shit and paid the bills, did everything. But I just, there's a huge sense of uh, disconnection. And one day I got in an argument with her and I said, fuck you. And I've never spoke to my mother like that. And I felt horrible immediately after I said it. And then mm. I, I left. And I went and stayed at a cousin's house. And then I just kind of bounced around until I was 17. And I didn't talk to my mom that much, even though I loved her. But then we got back close again. But then it was really hard because she was on drugs all the time and slurring yeah. her speech. And so, so yeah. all of that responsibility, everything that you had kind of just piled up and piled up. And so then as we fast forward, and this is what you're going to start talking about there, you know, approximately, I think you said 21, 22. It sounds like a lot of that responsibility just kind of, hit a tipping point and you, you said something about the fact that you were going to be, uh, you were coming close to that nervous breakdown. If you, you know, want to share, was that the the catalyst yeah. that made you really evaluate where you were at? My average work week, I was counting was at 94 hours of actual work. Right. And so after running on adrenaline like that for so long, it was two, uh, nine 11 hit in 2001 and everything was bone dry. I couldn't find uh, work. Everything had dried up. And all of a sudden I was, I think I was 18 or 19 and I couldn't pay my bills. And I got an eviction notice at this apartment that I had. And, and I crunched all the math and I knew that I, at that time period, I didn't have the resources, right? So I remember laying on that apartment floor by myself, feeling like a total failure and just having to accept it. Then I went and slept in my truck. <laughs> 
I think I slept in my truck for like a week. And then a friend found out about it and it kind of forced me to sleep in their basement. So then I slept in the basement. <laughs> and that's a positive thing. That sounds like it was a positive thing that they forced you to sleep in their basement. That's yeah. not a negative. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that, I mean, being now, I think 19 years old, I was working at Home Depot at night and still landscaping all day. God, people that work in Lowe's and Home Depot, when you're walking on that concrete all day, it it kills your back. Yeah. But anyways, I uh, then an old friend has like, bro, we can get a trailer together and they're cheap as this old ratty trailer in this trailer park for like three grand. I was like, what? So I was able to save up half of it and I gave it to him in cash and boom. And now I had a trailer and a roommate. And there I was. So I took over reins. I became a foreman of this landscape. By the time I was 18, I was running a, a lawn care company, like doing the operations. I was doing the hiring and the firing and pulling a 24-foot trailer, just doing everything while the owner of the company was just kind of like doing the sales and marketing. And that was a great phenomenal experience for me to be, only be that age and have that amount of responsibility. And I learned a lot. And and then I was making actually pretty decent money for the first time ever. I was fully self-sustainable, having my own place again, paying all my bills. And then I got, and then I fell into a network marketing, MLM, they call it multi-level marketing. Yeah. Here in Michigan, there's something called, it, it was called, well, Amway, this company called Quickstar. And then there was these little micro companies and one yep. grew to like 100,000 people. It was called Team of Destiny, bro. So I'm working at that Home Depot place one day. And I'm just exhausted. I'm sunburned. My self-esteem is in the toilet. I'm trying to get my own place. It was right before I got the trailer. And I met this, this, this dude that worked there. His name was Chris Taylor. I didn't know him at the time, but he kept he worked there too. But he would come around. I worked in the lumber department. He would come and start chit-chatting with me. And I'm like, why is this guy trying to talk to me? He's a little weird. What's going on here? And he kept talking with me and everything he said makes sense. And I was like, he's like, hey, man. He's asking me success questions. And I'm like, well, of course I want to be successful. He's like, you want to hang out? Let's go to Steak and Shake. I think they're shutting down. Let's let's grab a Coke, man. I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you. I don't know you, bro. <laughs> He's like, dude, trust me. And I, I, I didn't know like what his intentions were, but he was really cool. And I was like, all right, dude. He's like, dude, trust me. It'll be worth your time. And I was, I was kind of freaked out, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to go in real quick, see if there is an opportunity. I sat down across from this. He was the coolest dude I ever met. He handed me uh, one book. And two tapes. So I'm oh, wow. landscaping all day. I come home, he hands me this book called Parable of the Pipeline by Burke Hedges. <laughs> and I, I think uh, he said he gave me another book. It was Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or Cash Flow Quadrant. Bro, okay. I read the whole book cover to cover, sitting in front of the window with the sun shining nonstop. I think I read it in like five hours. He gave me this tape called The Dash, these motivational tapes. And this other book about the business, right? I didn't know it was tape of the week, book of the month. And this was all set up. I went and I met him again. He gave me two more tapes and another. I'm like, bro, more tapes. He's like, well, actually, <laughs> did you hear the guy on the tape? I'm like, well, yeah, his name was Chris Brady. And the other guy was Oren Woodward. He's like, I can introduce you to those guys Tuesday night. I'm like, you can? Dude, that guy was like a millionaire. He's like, Tuesday night, you got to get to Grand Blank, Michigan. I'm like, that's like an hour and 15 minutes away, bro. He's like, well, if you want to meet him, the guy's a millionaire and he's going to be on stage teaching success. I'm like, I'm there, bro. I figured out how to get there. So I was front row. There's probably like 250 people. The Chris Brady guy, who's the millionaire, you know, people call it like a pyramid scam, but it wasn't at all. Network marketing, he comes out, he was making everybody laugh and him and his wife were like, like totally rich. And 
they built this whole side business on the internet. And from that moment on, I was like, dude, I don't care. I, I signed up that night. I was like, I'm in, I'm in. Dude, I got my debit yeah. card out. I paid. I got the books, the tapes, the CDs. And then from that point, I was landscaping all day. And then coming home, I would, I, I used to wear earrings and I had a cool like LeBray piercing. I thought it was quite a little diamond in my chin. And I wanted to be, I had spiky hair and I used to wear like silver, like bracelet and necklace. And I, I just wanted to be like some pop star. That's like, I just wanted to fit in, right? That was me. Yeah. But it wasn't my own unique style. I don't know. But dude, I wanted money and success so bad that I took out the earrings and the little piercing and I shaved and I went to the thrift store because I was broke and I bought like a blue suit, white shirt, red tie, blue suit, white shirt, red tie, black shoes. And I ordered all the stuff and I made my dream 100 list. So here I was, Keith Kelfis, 2002. Bro, all my friends from middle school I was like, let me talk to your parents. I'll call them up. Why do you want to talk to my parents? Just put them on the phone. Hey, Mr. Hawkinson, this is Keith Kelfis. I'm friends with David, but I got to talk to you. What if blah, blah, blah. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm about to retire. I'm like, dude, I got to come over to your house Wednesday night, 6 p.m. I got to show you the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this because it, it, what it shows is the, the, the huge bend. I mean, because you're going and you're like, okay, I, I believe that I just have to work these dead-end jobs, these nine-to-fives, and all of a sudden, this guy that you're working with at Home Depot all of a sudden just kind of opens up this whole new world, and you're just like, I'm loving this world, new world. It's like the, a, a whole new perspective. It's so cool. So, so that time period, dude, I was showing everybody the plan everywhere. I learned about uh, contacting and my wife was actually freaked out when she met me. Like, well, we met back then way a long time ago, but then we met again and fell in love and got married. And, and she's like, well, she always thought it was weird how I'm not afraid to talk to anybody anywhere in public. I could strike a conversation with anybody and within literally two minutes, completely genuinely get people to completely open up and be talking and laughing and sharing things. And like, I, I, I just believe I had that spirit about me, but yeah. all this comes from like hundreds of hours of training of network marketing. And can and, I add to that too? Cause yeah. I, I truly believe this because it really, really, truly comes not just from all that training, but it also comes from the fact that you had to learn very quickly at a young age, how to take responsibility and read the room. And, and I know a lot of individuals that have gone through some of that trauma, like what you, the, and I say trauma because it's, you know, you had to move and you had to go, but that taught you very quickly how to read people, how to actually be able to understand the emotion, the EQ that's going on in the room. So that negative aspect actually has turned into what this positive, which is what you're using right now. Yeah, the, the third book that they gave us was Personality Plus by Florence Latour. So the first one is Parable to Pipeline by Burke Hedges. They talk about how you got to build pipelines of yep. income versus carrying buckets of water. So you build residual income so you can grow wealth. The next book was Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. The ESBI talks about how in employees and self-employed people are stuck in a time for money trap and how the exactly. business owner and I-type investor build systems. And then the systems flow, passive cash flow that pays for their lifestyle. And then the next book was Florence Latour's Personality Plus. And I learned about the personality types as clank, uh, cleric sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic. So yep. it taught us how to identify. And then what we do is we'd make these lists of people and, and call them and document and track it all. And then uh, I, I would hear these crazy stories about the old Amway millionaires like Casey Comden and uh, Randy Haugen and all these different people. These people, like some of these people I'm talking about right now, their lessons have actually translated into what's happening on in our businesses right well, now. Like, Yeah, that's what, let's talk about that because all of that stuff, that was the bend, right? That was the shift that you had in your mind. Mind. And now, as far as like moving forward, let's kind of transition into that. How did you take 
the, the and I'll call it the trauma of the childhood. I mean, I, I know your mom loved you and I, I want to respect that in every way possible. But then you went through this kind of learning phase and it was almost like a college education that you got from multi-level marketing. And now you're stepping in, like you said at the very beginning, you own two businesses, they're six figures, but yet you had to go through all of that to get to where you're at. So how does all of that now play into who you are and the narrative that you are working on today of you yourself? Yeah, this is actually the really hard part. If you read like the Heroes Two Journeys and Joseph Campbell and all this stuff, like, and this is how it happened. I thought of that those moments when I was wearing that suit and tie, I for sure was going to be a millionaire and I wasn't getting any results. I wasn't mature enough. I didn't know how to persuade people. Nobody believed me. I was this 19 year old kid trying to tell people like it wasn't calibrated. I was going to the dollar store buying the big construction paper and markers. And I was taking success quotes from like Zig Ziglar, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins and writing success quotes. Like I went manic and I was putting them all over the walls in my trailer, that the parts that were like mine and waking up and reading them and doing incantations and listening to Tony Robbins personal power. I'm talking like I was burning out batteries after batteries of on cassette tapes before the, and then when the CD player can't batteries, like full time, like, it was a monthly expense was batteries. I had brainwashed myself so much with so much. And I was reading books. Every Everything was about success constantly to the point where I didn't even want to hang out with any friends. I still am that way. It's like, and because I wasn't having any success, now I was, I was trying to get around the leaders. I was going to the big conventions. I was driving all over uh, this part of the country, doing everything I could and clenching my fists. And what happened was I had gotten in a fight with that roommate. I get, we didn't we didn't click. He wanted his brother to move in. And one day he was like, bro, I want you out of here. You're gone. And I still to this day don't even know what I did. I, I don't even care. And now I went from there to sleeping in my car for three and a half months. So in the middle of the summer. So I'm landscaping all day. Mm. And because I was driving that car all over the place, showing the plant, I had, I think I, I, I was, I did the math. I got to make a video about this. I've had something like 28 vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like I'd save up just enough money to get a car and then the, the motor would blow up. And then I would get another car, the motor would blow up. Then I get another car, the transmission would blow up. And then another car, the ball joints and the transmission. And then like the, the drive shaft would fall off and the U joints and the whole rear end would like just piece of crap cars. I never talk about my father ever. My father said something to me one time. I think it was like on my 14th car. I'm going back like right now in psychological time as if I was young again. It's like taking over. But it's important. He's like, all the money that you spent on those piece of crap cars, you could have just got one brand new car. And that was like the moment. I don't know. I still get pissed. I'm like, yeah, if I had the fucking money, I would have done it. <laughs> it's like you're constantly on the edge. So I'm sleeping on my car. And then I had another friend knew I was sleeping in my car three and a half months. And I was actually showering and using the bathroom at the gym. And I think I was either washing my clothes in the sink there or at a laundromat. And then they kind of forced me to come live with them for a little while. And when I lived with them, I had tried so hard for so long and I didn't have any foundation. I didn't have any support system. I was my own support system that something inside of me, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It was 2004. That last straw broke and I just, I fell apart. I had given it everything and I was running on adrenaline for five years straight. I totally fucking fell apart, man. It was, uh, I think I was like 21 at that point. And I was on the phone with my older sister. She's a, a music teacher, a jazz musician, a vocalist, a master's degree. She's a beautiful human being. 
and she could hear it in my voice. This like nervous breakdown mode. She's like, uh, she had went to live with my grandma and she got grew up and moved on. And my grandma actually just died a couple of months ago. It was a very beautiful funeral. But um, she said, Grandma has an extra bedroom upstairs in the condo. Do you like to me to see if she you can come live with her and pay her cheap rent? And I was like, that'd be impossible. But yeah, it's worth a shot. So she called me right back in 10 minutes. It says, Grandma says, yes, she's got the room and she would love to have you come. Now, when I talked about my mother, my grandma's same way, unconditional love. At 21 years old, my little bit of belongings, I went and I stayed with my grandmother. And I went back to my mom's house. I'm like, mom, I'm not homeless anymore. I got a place to live. I had put all my stuff in my mom's garage and she had let all of these like drug addicts and alcoholics just go into the garage and take all my stuff. There was literally nothing left. Like all my clothes, furniture, belongings, except for the, because I only had enough that could fit in my car. I was sleeping in it. I was like, whatever. So I, when I went to live with my grandmother, I woke up the next morning, the sun was shining and I was so weak that I had given up. I couldn't be the foreman at that landscape position anymore. I had literally just infarcated and I went into this depression where I just laid in bed for like two weeks and I felt safe. Like I was in a nest again. Like I was like home. It was so, it was fucking amazing, dude. I got unemployment and for like three months, I'm like running in the sun and working out and like, like as little responsibility as possible. And I got really into music and like doing music shows. I used to be, want to be an R&B singer. I don't know if anybody, like I, I've recorded and produced like six albums. We've done music videos. I've done 160 live shows. I've been on stage in front of thousands of people. I've done talent shows. Yeah, by the time I think I was like 24, I had lived there about two and a half, three years or something. And my grandma fucking wow, kicked me out. She's like, you're out of here because it was time. Yeah, and, it was uh, time because that healing, that nest part was done. Yeah. And she was very wise and she knew that that's when I became terrified. And I, I got out and boom, from that moment on, I hustled my ass off. And so Fast forward a few years later, I took everything that I had to learn and I had to basically just face all my fears and lean into the fire. And it was meeting my wife that really, really, she's like the yin to my yang, bro. Mm. And I was able to get my landscape business off the ground and I replaced the income from my shitty jobs in about six weeks. I went all in as soon as I got to a hundred thousand a year, uh, just enough to get all the bills paid. Basically, I was so obsessed with the internet and marketing and making videos and all that stuff that I had this crazy idea. Oh my God, I'm going to make a YouTube channel about how to start a landscaping business. That's the only thing I'm qualified to talk about. I've read all these books, but I'm just a dude, right? I went crazy, man. I, I made over 2000 videos all over YouTube. We've crossed a hundred million views online now between like YouTube and my podcast and everything. And I just kept going and going and going, landscaping all day, running the business, shooting the videos all day, editing videos all night, and little by little hiring virtual assistants. And it's been a long, hard path. And because of the success on YouTube, I've gotten invited to speak on stages like all over the country and I've written books and do all these cool things and it helped over, I think quantitatively, if I could count somewhere around 10,000 businesses, my videos have helped or directly or indirectly start. And so I've heard that my videos have helped prevent suicides, people off drugs. I get people emailing me all the time. I have somewhere around another 10,000 testimonials that of, and people, it's insane how many people you can touch when you make videos and you're real, what we call hyper vulnerability. And you share that struggle, that journey, that success and encourage other people, which my videos have done. And now I want to take it to the whole next level. So that's why I'm, I'm going all the way, man. I want to take this yes. thing and help as many people as possible. I feel extremely blessed. The final thing I want to say 
is when I, when I, that time I lived in my grandmother's house, because I, I remember one night I was, I was looking at, looking up the stars in the middle of the night. I was broke, had nothing to my name. I said, God, please, God, I'm asking you right now, let, let me have abundance. Let me have the money that I dream of so I can finally get like, and I felt this feeling come over. It could have been in my subconscious mind. I believe it was God for real. It was like, nope, you're not ready for any of it. You're going to have mm. to go through a lot more pain and suffering and struggling. So when you get it, you're mature and you keep it. And it, and it was absolutely true. It took forever, but I've watched my dreams come true. <laughs> like I'm, I'm the walking, living, talking, breathing example of someone who went through all that shit, which wasn't even that bad. Now I look back and I, and I've had a lot of awakenings. I'm fond of my childhood, bro. Like I didn't have an actually, actually it's, bad childhood. Isn't it crazy how well going through it, like you, you said, you are like ready to get out because you're angry and you're all that. And then now looking back, you're like, man, I would not be who I am today if I wouldn't have gone through that. I wouldn't be the person that has been created. I wouldn't have that part of my journey. I mean, I got goosebumps just kind of thinking about the journey and the way that you are, because man, just the fact that you can reach back and you can help people that are right in the middle of that. You know, like you said, you were in the middle of and you felt like you were completely destitute of any emotion. You're just laying in the bed there. There are people that are out there that are in that exact position and and they're in there and they feel like they just want to give up. And they're like, well, nah, Keith made it through. I know I can. I saw Keith is doing better now. And I know that Keith went through this. And so I, I man, I am so grateful for you again to, to share this. Let me end with this because I always like to give you just one chance. What is the one thing, like the one comment, the one statement that you hope that the people that are listening would just take and internalize and, and take with them for the rest of their lives. What's that one, one lesson that you would give to them? Yeah, man, you're not your past. And if you can't see a bright future for yourself, get around other people who are living and seeing a bright future. Like you are who you associate with. I don't care if you got to drive across the country, fly, pay, save up and be part of membership, masterminding groups, live events, get around people who have a, a higher worldview of worthiness, of health, wealth, abundance, prosperity, uh, especially uh, I'm Christian, you would call it. I, like I, I, I love God. And so get around people and spend less time with people who are toxic and negative mm -hmm. and get really, really clear about healthy boundaries and the hearts, the desires that are in your heart are there for a reason, which means I believe that you can achieve them. There's a way. And it's like, you're always like one little tiny corner, like turning around the corner from this whole new, like these, these, uh, I could talk about it for an hour, but no, that's awesome. I mean, like, that's exactly time. what we're looking for. Yeah. Like sometimes you'll have a big aha where like 20 dots that you've been waiting five years, they they all connect and boom, you level up. Like yeah. it's you're you're almost there, man. I've watched yeah, that's that's awesome. So how can people find you? I know you said you have the YouTube channel. Maybe spell your name out for those that are just listening to the podcast side of things. That way they can actually find you on YouTube if that's where you want them. Or what what other ways can they find and get in touch with you? Sure. My name is Keith Kelfas, K-E-I-T-H. Kelfas, K-A-L-F-A-S. Keith Kelfas everywhere. Just Google me, Baba Bolliver, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And then uh, on the Untrapped podcast is my podcast on all podcast platforms. My recent episodes come out every Monday and Thursday. And then I have a, uh, a new website that I built. I'm doing an experiment. If anybody wants to learn specifically how I did all of this and how I've built a, a brand online and how I've been able to monetize it because the money sustains the message. KeithKelfis.com slash influence and uh, teaching my marketing progression pyramid. Awesome. <laughs>
<laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening. Again, I say this every time, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If something was said on this show today, whether I said it, if Keith said it, I don't care who said it. I want you to contact us, reach out, either talk to Keith, reach out, talk to myself, however you do that, because at the end of the day, what drives us is how we leave an impact and how we can help others and and watch them grow. And I can promise you this, by you reaching out, you're going to make our day. Just by telling us what has impacted you or what you've changed or what you learned, that's going to make our entire day, week, year. I mean, like, it's just going to totally help us in, in massive, massive ways. So please reach back out. And again, we're going to have another story coming out next week. Again, thanks, Keith. I appreciate you, man. It has been awesome. And until next time, keep writing your own narrative. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Tim. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.